welcome and thank you for joining this week's podcast with the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams. With insight and scripture analysis, the Archbishop shares how the mind, strategy and purposes of God are developing key virtues within us for greatness. This message will empower you to understand the situations of your life and the journey to achieving your divine mandate. Join the Archbishop at this year's Global Prayer Work Summit in Connecticut, USA from the 19th to the 22nd of July. Register now online at ndwministries.org. Know today that this is God's word of revelation for you. Be empowered as you listen. Your openness, your availability to the things of God is what determines the measure of blessing to which you are blessed and you, are, you receive. So, turn to somebody and say, it all depends on you. Yeah, depends on you. John, the fourth chapter, reading from the fourth verse, the Bible said, and he must need go through Samaria, referring to Jesus. He must need go through Samaria. It was a need. It was a necessity. And when the Bible said he must need go through Samaria, that suggests to me, ladies and gentlemen, that it was something that he couldn't do without, that it was part of his assignment. It was part of his mission. It was something that was imperative. It was necessary that he went through Samaria. But that also, at the same time, looking at the scriptures and the law of God, that made it very controversial. Reason being that Jesus was in a time and living in a day that it was very, very clear after so many years of some kind of conflict between Samaria and the Jews that the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans and the Samaritans have no dealings with the Jews. Now Jesus being the Messiah, a rabbi, a master of the law and being God incarnated and made flesh, he should know better. And he should be about accusation. He should be about questioning. And he also knew that the scribes and the Jews of his days, the teachers and the masters of the law, would, would take him up. But yet the Bible said, though he knew all that, and he understood the implication of his going through Samaria, he still went to Samaria. Is anybody hearing me? I have come to the conclusion, ladies and gentlemen, that God does not want to be understood. Keep that in mind. God does not want to be understood. Because if you understand God, then you become familiar with God. God does not want to be understood. And I find that, that God is very controversial. Why Jesus must need go through Samaria? When you are a Jew and a Nazarite, and as a Jew, being a master of the law, being above the law yourself, knowing that it will bring a great contradiction to Scripture, yet the Bible said Jesus must need go through Samaria. Then in going through Samaria, he had an appointment and an arrangement 
to meet a woman a woman that was very controversial a woman with a very bad reputation a woman that was scandalized and a woman that was stigmatized this woman according to scripture if you look at the 16th verse to the 18th verse the bible said and jesus said to her after dialoguing with her for a while jesus said to her go call me your husband then the bible said and the woman said to jesus i have no husband jesus said for in that you said you have no husband you have spoken the truth for you've been married five times and divorced five times and the man you are with right now who is the number six is not your husband is someone else's husband and the woman said hey hold a minute hold it a minute now you're getting too deep now you're getting into my business are you the prophet and the messiah that is promised us now you got to watch this this woman even though she wasn't a jew she knew something about the promise of the messiah she was a samaritan woman but she knew something about the promise of god to the jews and she said for we have heard and been told and have read so she had knowledge about the things of god even though she was a samaritan woman and not that only even though she was a castaway because in those days bible scholars tells us that there were two wells in samaria there was a well in the city and there was one outside the city of samaria which was jacob's well now it was believed that folks or people went to fetch water from the well in the morning or in the evening but she went to fetch water in the day in the afternoon knowing that there'll be nobody around and she didn't even go to the world in the city she didn't want to engage she did not want anybody to see her question her or say anything because she knew her reputation and she because she knew her reputation she knew how to handle herself so she went outside of the city not to engage anybody but prophetically it was pre-arranged and determined that she should go to the well at that time to meet jesus she had a divine appointment jesus had to go to samaria at the time he went to samaria because the woman was subpoenaed by eternity it was fixed in her dna and character at that time that she has to get there and jesus coming there was a magnet in the spirit that was pulling what was in her to make sure that she came to the well at that particular time not after and not before look at somebody and say i am on time i said look at somebody and say i am on time the bible said that jesus said and the one that you have even nice or your husband she got flabbergasted she stood in awe of the revelation and the word of knowledge and the Bible says she went to town and brought the men of the city to Jesus. Not the women, but the men. This woman knew something and had a lot of things going for her. One of the things she knew and she had was that she had the ability some way, somehow to arrest men to the point of getting them to commit to marry her. But she was lacking the ability to keep and to maintain them. Now, when Jesus said that the, the, the water that I give unto you, when you drink it, you will not test anymore. It means that there was a test.
there was something that she was sitting and searching for that she couldn't find in the man she was searching for love and the kind of love she was searching for and seeking for was not in any of the men she had married she could not find that love and jesus said i am the solution to the love you are seeking for if you find me if you connect to me you will never want any other man in your life because i will fulfill all your longings and all your desires and you will not need any man to fulfill your longings and your desires because i will satisfy all your longings and all your desires and the thing you've been seeking and searching for in man is not in them that answer is in me is anybody hearing me in that same city in genesis 34 you find that it was the very city samaria was the same city where dinah was raped and the king and the prince of the city, the son of the king, came to the gates of Shechem, which was Samaria in the times of Jesus, and requested to marry Dinah, the daughter of Jacob. And the sons of Jacob said to the king and the prince that you are uncircumcised. We can't dwell with you. You can't come among us and we can come among you and if you want our sister to marry you and your sons to marry among us or our sons to marry among your women then you all must be circumcised so circumcision took place and three days after the circumcision according to scripture Simeon and Levi went into the city of Shechem and slew all the men of the city and killed them and Jacob kept the anger of Levi and Simeon and said this is wrong and condemned the act and disapproved of it now before Jesus would go to the cross, he needed to bring divine resolution and closure to that particular situation that took place. He needed to restore back the men that fell by the sword of Simeon and Levi. And he needed another woman this time around to bring the men because if you look at the scriptures she did not go to call the men and the women, it was the men. And, and, and I don't know why the men followed her out of the city to go and meet jesus and somehow they believed there now you, you got to watch something this this is very controversial here because here is god himself having an appointment with a woman that had a very bad reputation and not that only but this woman has divorced five times bishop and was dating someone else's husband i expected jesus to condemn that and to know enough not to deal with people of that nature not to deal with people of that kind because god hates divorce which is biblical and we all know that i need to bring a dimension of god a virtue of god because there is something going on in the body of christ worldwide where there is too much of self-righteousness and people do not know the virtues of god we know the judgments of god we know the laws of god and we don't know the virtues of god and because we don't understand the virtues of god there is no virtue of God in the church all the church is full of is legalities technicalities and judgment of one another throwing stones at one another we don't understand the virtues of God so we have become judges over one another biblically and theologically it, 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 it troubled me uh, to see Jesus because the Bible says uh, a body has thou 
made for me. And the Bible said that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And Jesus was the express image of God. So that stands to reason that if a body has thou made for me, hallelujah, and God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, then that body was the body of Christ, Jesus himself. So God was working through his earthly body. Are you hearing me, somebody? And God contradicted himself to, to, to use a woman that just having just divorced once, but twice and and the third and, and the fourth and the fifth and, and then was interfering with someone else's marriage god you should know you should know better than that that is not the type and the kind of a woman you should use there, there are better women in the city of samaria who have been who have been faithful to their marriage and who have been married for such a long time and they have it all together and you, you could have used any of those type and any of those kind there are women in samaria who have been married for 50 years and have been very faithful and loyal to their vows and you could have used them how come you go to use somebody with this kind of a bad reputation i have an issue with that but that tells you that the virtues of god are higher than the laws of god are you hearing me somebody when jesus came one of the greatest problems the jews had with jesus was because jesus wasn't operating by the law of the letter he was operating by the spirit of the letter that was their whole problem with him for instance when they brought the woman caught in adultery there were so many people you got to understand this that it was in the public place so it wasn't just the folks with stones in their hands that were witnesses of the situation there were other people who stood there and saw the situation and knew what had happened some people had stones and others didn't have stones in their hands and those who had stones were ready to stone this woman but you, you got to understand this uh, according to the law it was just for the woman to be stoned so jesus said i will not operate on this matter according to the law of the letter because all along before i came all of you have been operating under the law of the letter and nobody has been able to possess the virtues of god and i came to demonstrate and to reveal and to show the virtues of god not the laws of god not the technicalities and the legalities of god because you've had the opportunity under the law of moses to serve god by the law and nobody has been able to live up to it therefore i have come to show you a better way which is the virtues of god god is not a law god is not legalistic God is not judgmental. God is not judgment. But God is love. And love is a virtue of God. God is merciful. God is gracious. Grace is a virtue of God. Mercy is a virtue of God. God is just. God is just. And the word just from the original rendering means God is upright. You see, watch me. When you read the Bible, 
you know of God. You don't know God by reading the Bible. You know of God. But you know God when you encounter God. When you encounter God. Ah, my God. My God. The Bible said that the children of Israel knew the works of God. But Moses knew his ways. It's one thing to know his ways, another thing to know his ways. To know his ways is to understand his virtues. To know God is to encounter God. Unless you have encountered him, you don't know him. That's why you can read the Bible as much as you want to from Genesis to Revelation. You can read it 10 times in a year and still not know God. Are you hearing me, somebody? Because you see, there are two kinds of word. We have the logos, which is the written word. Then we have the rima, which is the breath and the spoken word, which abides in heaven. So the logos is a reflection of the rima which abides in heaven. The Bible said forever, Oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That word settled in heaven is a reflection of the Bible which you and I read. Is anybody hearing me? Say I hear you. Ah, I break through the resistance in the atmosphere. Ah, I break through hostility. I come against religious spirits. I come against self-righteousness. In the name of Jesus, I overturn. I throw down. I rise. I saw. I break through the sound barrier. I superimpose unction and anointing of my vows and leadership over the atmosphere. Sit down. So Jesus said, Anyone among you who is without a sin, let him cast the first stone. Because according to the law of the letter, it was just for the woman to be stoned. According to the spirit of the letter, which is love, mercy, and justice, which is God's attributes and virtues. God said, I'd rather go by my virtue instead of the law. And therefore he said, to the spirit of the letter, it will be injustice and hypocritical to allow you to kill this woman without the man, because it takes the two to commit the act. So Jesus said, he that is without sin, he that is not guilty of the same sin or some other sin in his life, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible said that everyone threw down or put down their stone and walked away. Which stands to reasoning that they were either guilty of the same sin or some other sin. Because the Bible said there is none that sinneth not. There is no man who does not sin. That's what the Bible says. And the Bible says the Lord shall count iniquity who shall stand. And all unrighteousness is a sin. And therefore, if you are a jealous person or you are proud or you are arrogant or you bear grudge or you lie or you speculate or, or, or you try to magnify things or try to make things which are not there or you are stingy or you disobey or dishonor your father, your mother, your parents, so many things, you are guilty. And before God, you are a sinner. Unless we balance the equation uh, between the laws 
of God and the virtues of God, we are going to have a church full of self-righteousness and a church without the virtues of God. And we will just end up killing one another and, and block the very move and the wind of God from blowing among us. And so I want to walk you through I want to walk you through the virtues of God and to see how God functions and how God operates to try I want to disabuse your theology and deprogram your belief systems and your thought patterns of who God is because I don't really think you know God because if you know him it will reflect in how you respond to the difficulties and the challenges the mistakes the sins, the faults of others. Now, these people who took the stone to stone her were either guilty of the same thing or something other. And yet they had the courage and the audacity to take a stone to stone somebody. That bothered me. And that stands to reason, ladies and gentlemen, that most times when we are critical of other people, it is only an indicator that we are guilty of the same thing. And being critical of them is just a human technique and a way of trying to cover yourself and to prove a point that you are either righteous than them or you are better than them. And, and, and it bothers me. And now watch this. Watch this. When David committed adultery and killed Uriah, Belsheba's husband, tried to cover his sins by killing him. So adultery and murder at the same time. Then the prophet came to tell David that, you know what? Something very terrible has happened in town. And explain how a very wealthy man had many lambs or a sheepfold and lived next to a neighbor who had only one lamb and had a guest and took the neighbor's lamb and explained all that happened. And as soon as David heard what had happened, he, he developed some kind of an, a holy anger. And, and the Bible said, David immediately passed judgment and said, that man must die. Who must die? The rich man must die and must return four lambs for the one lamb to the poor man. And then the prophet said, sir, uh, it is you. And David, through the act of repentance, he overruled the sentence of death because he assigned his own dead warrant by being critical of someone else's fault. And Bishop, how we forget so quick and so early of our own personal mistakes and shortcomings and the way we so comment on other people's problems and issues so quick sometimes amazes me it does it truly does amaze me because uh, i've seen a lot of people over the years this year is my 30 years in ministry and i've seen a lot and it bothers me sometimes when i see people that were going through challenges and and the way they react to others going through the same challenges i look at it and it bothers me and that is the self-righteousness of man it bothers me now here it is so David, therefore, through the act of repentance, was able to overturn the sentence of death. He lost four of his children because he said, let the man pay four lambs for the one lamb. So four of his children died. 
The Bible said, judge not that you may not be judged. For by the same standards, you treat people or you judge others, you shall also be judged. Uh, is anybody hearing me? Look at someone and say, be very careful, be very careful. I want us now to go a little deeper because I'm going somewhere. If you just stay with me. The other thing that baffled me, Bishop, was Before Jacob died, he prophesied over all his sons. And to one, he gave him the right to produce a king for the nation of Israel. To order a priest, which was Levi. And Judah had the mandate to produce a king for the tribe of Israel. And one of the reasons why Jesus will not come through the Levitical order and he will not come through any other order but he will come through the order of kings which represented judah was because he was a king so he will not come through the order of Melchizedek or the levitical order he had to come through the order of kings and judah was appointed to produce a king for the nation of israel then the bible said in genesis 38 that judah had three sons everybody say three do this everybody say do, do this say three sons three sons the bible said that his firstborn was wicked in the sight of god so god slew him then the father said to the youngest to the second son he said marry your brother's wife that you may raise up a son or a seed unto your brother and he also went in and did evil before the Lord and the Bible said and the Lord slew him so Judah was left with one son everybody say one say one to go do they say one to go all right he was left with one son and I, he told Tamar the daughter-in-law to go to her father's house and that when the third born was had come of age he will send for her to marry that one and according to the scriptures if you study carefully he did not want her to marry the third born because he was afraid that the third born would die like the two and there'll be no seed to bring the prophecy of that particular bloodline to pass and therefore decided not to give her to the third born then the bible said when his wife died he was going to his farm and the daughter-in-law Tamar had it and disguised herself as a prostitute and sat by the highway and Judah saw her and thought she was a prostitute and went in into her went in into her and she took him just one time she took him and the Bible said, when she was in travail, twins were in her womb. And the one twin stretched out his hand to the midwife for help. And the midwife took the hand of the twin and tied it with a scarlet thread. And the midwife said, this came out fresh. Then the Bible said as soon as he withdrew his hand back into the womb, the youngest 
who was in the womb before the first stretched out his hand broke out of the womb and overtook the elder brother and the midwife said how have thou done this this breach be upon you your name shall be called Pharaoh, which means that you are one that violates rules orders and protocol you break rules you break the law that is genesis 38 you can take your time and cross check according to the prophecy and according to the prophetic word judah was to produce for the tribe of israel a king and the father who was a patriarch had pronounced blessings upon every one of the children to determine the destiny and the path that each one has to walk in according to their birth orders of God's original intent. Now watch this. Then said Jacob, Judah, the scepter of rulership, of kingship, shall not depart from thee until Shallow comes. Now watch this. Judah had a last born from his loins, which was the third born, who could have been used as a king to sit on the throne, but God didn't use him. God bypassed the third son and went in and took Pharaoh, who was a lawbreaker, number one. Number two, who came out of wedlock number three who was a product of incest now if the third son ladies and gentlemen was dead if judas third son bishop was dead and god chose pharaoh out of that extra marital affair then it stands to reason that because he had the mandate from god prophetically to produce a king god had no other choice but to use even the seed that came out of wedlock and incest but for god to bypass the third born who was born in a legitimate marriage and was not a bastard and didn't come out of incest but went past him to choose one that was born out of wedlock and incest and bypass the one that was came out of a legitimate marriage and relationship baffles me i don't understand it i need some explanation and i came to the conclusion as paul said the other day it is not therefore he who wills nor he who runs but it is i that soweth mercy because mercy is my virtue law is not my virtue mercy is my virtue and the bible said i will have mercy on whom i will jacob have i loved israel have i hated that troubles me You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get some of you to stop defining people.
because of the way they dress. Because some of you think that holiness is covering your head to the sole of your feet. And therefore, I'm not approving of sisters who just wear anything and exposes their bodies and everything. But even if their dressings are not right in your eyes, that gives you no right to define their holiness and to define their standing and righteousness with God. Because God does not judge according to the outward appearance. He judges according to the conditions of people's hearts. So we have to be very careful because if we are not careful, we are going to turn the church into a place of legality and dogma and do's and don'ts and determine who is spiritual and who is not spiritual and who is holy and who is not holy. You cannot define the righteousness of people as a result of earthly possessions. Having value system is different from man or earth value system. God, heaven's definition of success is different from man's definition of success. Are you hearing me, somebody? So what God, what man esteems, God diminishes. And what man had no regard for is what God esteems. So that, why does not God does things like that? So that no man, no man, you see, that helps people to be humble. And today there is no humility in the church. And there is no fear of God. There's too much arrogance in the church. There's too much pride and flesh in the church. Too much quarreling and fighting for position and fighting for this. And I'm better than you. Nobody is better than anybody. It is only by the grace of God that we stand where we stand. Paul said the other day, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Is anybody hearing me? Then the Bible said, Paul said, he said, I am the least among them all. And he said, I love it more than them all. Yet, not I, but the grace of God that was upon my life. Are you hearing me, somebody? So if you can fast 40 days with water, without food, that doesn't make you spiritual than the one who can fast 40 days and 49. It is the grace of God. I said it is the grace of God. I said it is the grace of God. If you have the powers to prophesy, and what you say comes to pass, that doesn't make you spiritual than your bishop. That doesn't make you more powerful than your senior pastor. That is grace given unto you according to God's job descriptions for your life. Now, let me download this. Everybody say, David. Say, David. Say, Belsheba. Say, David. Say, Belsheba. Now, look at me. I'm giving you information because information empowers. When you have information, you can rise above the storms. You can weather storms. You can master controversy if you have information. Because information helps you to know the outcome of what you are going through. Say David. Say Belsheba. Bishop. David takes Belsheba. She gets pregnant. God condemns the act 
the affair, the relationship. He said, I disapprove of this thing. And therefore, in order for you to know, David, that even though I have forgiven you, I disapprove of the act, I will kill the child that came out of the affair. And not that only, the soul will not depart from your house as a sign of punishment. And God will never acknowledge Belsheba as the wife of David, but will always say, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. To remind David that I don't approve of your acts. David pleads with God and said, the child is innocent. The fault is mine. And God said, no, the child must die. Then God turns around, second born from the same act by the name of Solomon. God names him Solomon, which means I have loved him. Then God bypassed Adonijah and Absalom, who were born in a legitimate marriage, and put Solomon on the throne to be king over Israel. I don't understand it. your law and I'll tell you the virtues of God is anybody hearing me then Absalom decided to protest on the basis of the law and God said I'm not talking law I'm talking virtue And Absalom dies for protesting. He dies. Then Adonijah protests, dies. Solomon comes out of a bad mess relationship. Yet, God worked with that mess and brought good out of the mess. To make a point, that it doesn't matter how bad the situation looks like. It doesn't matter how messy it is. I am God. I am the potter. And you are the clay. I can bring good out of any situation. If I want to. Because I am God. All by myself. Somebody say hey, 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 hey. Watch this. Watch this. Everybody say Ruth. Say Ruth. You know who Ruth is? Ruth married Boaz. Say Boaz. Boaz gave birth to Obed. And Obed gave birth to Jesse. And Jesse gave birth to David. So Ruth is the great-grandmother of King David. Boaz is the great-great-grandfather of David. Who is Ruth? Ruth was not a Jew. Ruth was a Moabite. And the Moabites came out of incest, which God condemned and cursed them. When Lot escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah, went to the mountains and lived in the caves. The daughters, the two daughters of Lord said, there are no men here. And we have to raise up seed unto our father, lest his name disappears from the earth. 
So they cooked and fed him and gave him wine and he was drunk and he went to sleep. And the Bible said they desensitized him and slept with their father and had issues out of that affair, which was incest. And one of the child that came from one daughter was Moab. The other one was Ammon. And those were the Ammonites and the Moabites came out of the root of incest. And God placed a curse on them. And yet, God allows a Moabite woman by the name of Ruth to have the audacity to come into the holy blood of the Messiah, son of the living God. I don't understand it. Hold it here. Say Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Do you know who Boaz's mother is? Rachel, the harlot of Jericho, that is Boaz's mother. You know what I want to do? I want to kill this self-righteousness in the church. I want to kill this whole thing about people think, I've read the Bible, you know. I know the, the Bible says, and so this and so that. You are sick. You don't know the virtues of God. You are legalistic. You are dogmatic. You are self-righteous. And that is why the Jews had problem bishop with Jesus because they couldn't deal with Jesus because they were talking law and Jesus was talking the virtues of God and the virtues of God are higher than his laws because before the law was the virtues of God the spies went into Jericho they didn't go into anybody's house by the harlot of Jericho that bothered me because there was a lot of women in Jericho with good reputation God could have even used the king's wife the queen change her heart and get her to betray the husband and use them God can do anything but why use a halot? And not just that. But then you allow the halot to marry one of the descendants of Judah that came out of Pharez and did not use the third born of Judah who should have become a king for the tribe. But you place an injunction on the prophetic destiny of the tribe of Judah until the tenth generation which was David so watch what God did God punished the act because according to Deuteronomy 23 verse 2 the bastard shall not enter the congregation of the righteous until the tenth generation so this is what God did he punished what Judah did and still use the proceed or the product that came out of incest and wedlock I don't get it They went into Jericho, stayed in the house of the harlot. Now, Bishop, look at this harlot. She has serious faith in God. She said to them, We have heard 
of the terrible things your God did in Egypt. How that he parted the Red Sea, smote the Ammonites and the Amalekites, slew them in the wilderness and fed you with manna from heaven and gave you waters out of rock. He said, when we heard of the works of your God, our bread left us and everybody in the city lays in fear of your God. She said, I want to make a deal with you. I know God has given you this city. And because I spared your life, when you come to take the city, spare my mother, my father, my brothers, my sisters, my household. Promise me, how can a harlot intercede for her family? How can a harlot intercede for the salvation of her siblings? There are so many of you, you are so righteous, you never won a soul since you got born again. You have no disciple in the church. You never invite anybody to the church. You never witness to anybody about Jesus. It's all about you. Condemning the harlot. She had a heart for her people. Brought her household to God. Where are your disciples? Self-righteousness makes you feel that unless God gives me a husband, you see, it's, an, it's embarrassing to talk to others about the goodness of God because I don't have a testimony. So uh, God is going to have to give me a husband and then when I have a testimony, then I will serve God the way he wants me to serve him and then I can witness to others because it's so embarrassing that I go to church all these years and I do all this and I don't have a testimony, so I won't witness. You don't know God. That's why Job said, Though he slays me, yet will I serve him. So that I'm serving God, not for gain. Until we change our conception and mentality of serving God. And we begin to serve him not for gain. There is an extent to which God can never take us and use us because God don't deal with selfish people. And I, I, I better prove it to you. The Bible said, and Job complained for nine months to God. And after complaining for nine months, cursing the day he was born, blaming everything on God and on others, he came to himself after nine months. The Bible said, and Job prayed for his friends, not for himself. And when Job prayed for his friends, not for himself, then God gave him double for his pain. Not when he prayed for himself, but when he prayed for his friends. Jesus taught us how to pray. And here, here what he said. He said, when you stand to pray, say, our father he didn't say say my father our father that means whenever you stand to pray realize that God has other children apart from you that you are not the only child God has so whenever you come into his presence to pray represent the other children 
represent the other family God has. You are not the only family God has. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Is that what he says? Give us. That means when you ask him, ask for all. Pray for others. Intercede for others. Let it be about others and not just about you. Give us, all of your children, wherever we are in the world, across Europe, Africa, Latin America, North America, Asia, the Caribbeans. Give us, all of your children, this day, our daily bread. And forgive me. No, forgive us. Plead forgiveness for others. We, not me, forgive them that trespass against me, no, us. It's time for us to have body mentality. It's time for us to stop thinking about me, 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 I, 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 I. That is the problem in the church today, even among pastors and leadership. Everybody is thinking about themselves. Everybody. The Bible said, if you have not been faithful in that which is another man, who will give you that which is your own? Let's look at one scripture, and I'll download this thing now. Luke 18, 10 to 14, my closing scripture. Luke 18, 10 to 14. And the word says, two men went up into the temple to pray. Here it is the one a pharisee uh -huh. and the other a publican uh -huh. the pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself now with who somebody say self himself <clears throat> somebody say self, self. somebody say self, self. say self. self now watch this god i thank thee that i am not as other men are somebody and say aha everybody say say aha uh-huh extortioners unjust adulterous or even as this publican i fast twice in the week i give tithes of all that i possess and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast saying god be merciful to me a sinner I tell you, they went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Go ahead. Put your Bibles down now. I want you to look at me. Whenever you stand before God and you think that you deserve anything because of anything you have done or how long you've served the Lord, you've missed it. But whenever you stand before God and you appeal to the virtues of God, you will always walk away Justified. 
What am I talking about this morning? Simple. Humility. That's the whole message. Working through your mind. The whole thing is about, say, humility. But you know what humility is? Humility is when you learn not to comment about people's business when it is in your power to do so. Humility is when you leave vengeance to God to repay. He said, vengeance is mine and I will repay. Vengeance is a lazy way of grieving. Vengeance is a lazy way of grieving. And it is also an act of pride and self-righteousness. But humility is when you resign it into God's hands. And even when it is in your power, you shut your mouth. We know you are blessed by that word of God and look forward to you joining the messages of the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams again. For more information on our events, books, and messages, please visit NDW Ministries online at www.ndwministries.org or call our offices on plus one eight seven seven three six one five one one one. Once again, thank you for joining the Archbishop today, and may you continue to experience the life-transforming power of God's blessings.